This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. Not that long ago, I was doing uh, some volunteer work for a local hospital uh, where I would go and visit the room of different uh, patients who did not know me, but I was there as a representative of the ministers of our city. And, you know, some people... Uh, It's an inconvenient time to meet with them. Others don't prefer you to meet with them. But there was one particular couple that when I went into their room, they were so engaging. And when I identified myself as a chaplain, they were thrilled that I was there. And we just had the most delightful conversation just talking about their lives and about the Lord and about Christianity. And as I began to inquire about their lives and who they were, uh, they did not go to a church in the city where I was visiting. They drove a, and, and actually the city where they lived, they drove a, um, a significant distance to another church. And I asked them why. And I find out that they, to this day, are still, these are senior citizens, attending the same church that they started at when they were a young couple. In fact, they said that they had attended the same church since 1955. And when they said that, I thought, well, this is a rare occurrence. And this couple was just so wonderful to talk with. And you could tell that they loved their church. No doubt that since 1955, there've been a lot of changes in their church. No doubt since 1955, there've been a lot of pastors had come and gone from their church. But they loved the church because of the relationships that they had there. And they loved the church because God had called them there. And I'm starting a series this morning called, I Love My Church. Because I want you to love your church. I'm glad the kids are in here today because I want to say something to you elementary students. That I know that Miss Deanna and the team are usually the ones teaching you. But I want you to know that I'm your pastor also. I love you guys. And you know what? I'm not going to preach long today, so try your best to listen, and I'll give you a little secret. You could draw some pictures on the back of the bulletin while you listen, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But for all our elementary students in here, I want you to love this church too, especially if your family has been called here and God has, if God has called your mom and dad to be part of this church, then he's called you or your grandparents or your aunt or uncle or whoever your guardian is. And it's a good thing to love your church. Now, my primary goal as your pastor for every single one of you is to love Jesus. So one thing we don't want to happen is we don't want you to love your church and not love your God. I mean, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but to lose his soul? So we don't want you to just like love religion and love institutions of men But I do want to point out this. I want you, my primary job as your pastor is for, to help you love Jesus more and love people, to know his love and share his love. But Jesus loves the local church. In fact, the local church is known as the bride of Christ. It's Jesus's bride. It's whom he has set his love upon. And he loves the church. So if Jesus loves the church and you love Jesus, then you got to love your church. There's something incredible about that when you say, I love my church. And this couple that I encountered some time ago who had that kind of history, what a neat story. 
What a great story. Because the truth is this, is just like in romance, there is a different types of love. There is uh, the type of love that happens when you first start meeting somebody and you fall in love with them and everything is ideal. And then there's a type of love that's based off commitment. And that's what I want to suggest to you today. I want us to look at a passage in Psalm 92. Psalm 92 is a song that was sung that helped shape the theology of God's people. And in this song, there is a contrast that is set up. And the first part of the contrast is going to be in verse 7. And let's look at verse 7 of Psalm 92, verse 7. Though the wicked sprout like weeds and evildoers flourish, they will be destroyed forever. This is a constant theme in the Bible especially in the Psalms, that there is a recognition that there are the wicked sometimes do prosper and they do flourish. Those who oppose the things of God have a temporary success. And you can just look at many, many examples of society to know that's true. And, and you know, we, when we think of weeds, those are unwanted things in our life. Most of us don't want weeds, but if you begin to think deeper about this, some weeds really are beautiful. They, you know, sometimes these wildflowers come up overnight. And even though you know that's not good for your lawn long-term, it's like, wow, look what happened last night. This weed came up, this flower came up. But the problem is, is they're very, very temporary. A little bit of drought, a little bit of adversity, and they'll be gone just like that. They're here today, they're gone tomorrow. That's the first contrast. So the Psalm's saying there are weeds And I don't want you to be weeds, okay? There are weeds. Now let's go to verse 12. Here is something that's the opposite of that. But the godly will flourish. That's a good word. The word flourish is a good word for 2012 because I want you, through God's help, to flourish in every area, relationally, relationally, uh, children academically or students academically, financially, physically. Flourishing is a good thing being healthy, being vibrant. The godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. For they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts of our God. Even in old age, they will still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. Let's go back to the beginning of verse 12 there. Those who are in the courts of the Lord, those who are rooted, those who are established, they, are, they will flourish in the courts of our God. We're going to look at a couple of different meanings of this. There's two equally good interpretations of the scripture. And they're, they're both effective. The first one is this. The first one would be this, is that when we're spending time with God on a regular basis, we're going to flourish. Bottom line. That's why in your bulletin right now, I want you to look at something called a five by five by five Bible reading plan. For the last couple of years, I've encouraged and asked that all of us who attend church here would try to read through the New Testament in one year. Now, on January 1st, um, our attitude usually is this, oh, the the New Testament one year, that's no problem for me. I'm going to read the whole Bible. Well, my experience in this is that even though it seems like an easy and attainable goal, it's more difficult than you would think. If you want to read the whole Bible, I can get you a plan for that. And as we've already referenced YouVersion today, YouVersion has lots of different plans for that. But I love this 
Bible reading plan because it is five minutes a day, five days a week, and five ways you can connect with the Lord. I love the fact that it's five days because there's 25 readings and there's typically 30 to 31 days in a month. Well, the reason that's important is because I've got a confession to make. Your pastor, even though I want to, even though I try to, even though it would be good if I did, over the last year, I did not read my Bible every single day. I wish I would have. I tried to, I want to, and maybe this year I will. But typically there are just circumstances in life that, that it's hard to read it every day. That's why this plan is so great because there's 25 readings in 30 to 31 days. I think this year is leap year. So even on February, we got 29 days. And it's a way to hold yourself accountable. It's a way as a family to do it. Uh, you can do that as a church body. We're going to do this. And the great thing, if you have a bigger Bible reading plan, you can encompass this within that. And so I think it would be a good thing. And it would be a good thing for students. Students, this is something you can do. If you're in 4.6, 4th, 5th, 6th grade, there's no reason why you can't do this. There's no reason why you can't read the New Testament this year. That is a great, fantastic goal. So the first thing in this passage of Psalm 92 that I want you to understand, the way you flourish is stay connected with God. And Jesus said this in John 15, 5, he says, those who abide in the vine will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you will do nothing. When you hang out with Jesus, you're going to be fruitful. When you hang out with Jesus, you're going to be strong. When you spend time with God, good things are going to happen to your life. The secondary meaning to this, which is really effective for our series and effective for us as a church family today, is I believe this is that being rooted and established in a local church, putting your roots down deep in a community of faith, with known spiritual leaders, with people that you know and they know you, is part of you flourishing this year. That God wants you to find a local church that you can say, this is where God's planted me. This is where God's established me. And good things will come to your life when you do that. I believe that with all my heart. And I believe that's something God wants you to realize today. This passage today, my prayer for you, whether you're part of this church or you're uh, just visiting with us today. I want this passage to be a defining passage in the way you live your life, in the way you carry yourself and in who our church is. So now when these songs were sung and it talks about palm trees and it talks about cedars, these were not just poetic words, you know, that, that just sound good. Those who sang these songs about the Lord were using word pictures and they were using analogies to help us See, the type of people God wants us to be. God doesn't want us to be weeds. He, does, he doesn't want us just to sprout and to die out, to start and then to die, uh, to start things and not finish things. God wants us, and he uses through this particular song in Psalm 92, says he wants us to be like palm trees and like cedars. Well, a lot of us don't realize what that means, but you have to understand that in the context when they first sing these songs, that that meant something, those word pictures meant something. Let's talk about the palm tree for a second. The palm tree was the most luxurious and sought after uh, trees of that day. The palm tree uh, was very, very uh, special. And the first description that I want you to write down, and you'll see there in you version is this, the palm tree was beautiful. And when God says that those of you who are established in the house of God, you're going to be like a palm tree, 
You're going to be beautiful. That couple that I referenced, there was something about their stability, their contentment, their sense of establishment that was just a beautiful, beautiful thing to see. When people feel a call from God and they feel a call from God to a local church, they establish themselves. And at that place, it is something incredible to see people who are faithful to a local church. That's a, that's a gorgeous sight to see in the eyes of God. Because God wants you to realize that the greatness of a church is not in the preaching from the platform. And the greatness of the church is not in the worship style. The greatness of a church is not in the location. The greatness of a church are in the people who are in the chairs, the people who come, the people who show up. And it's a beautiful thing when men and women realize that God has called them to a local church. And despite the adversity and despite their preference and despite their challenges, they're going to let their roots go down deep and they are going to be established in that place. For the last 30 years, there's been something called the church growth movement in America. And we as spiritual leaders have trained you to be consumers. We've trained you to look at what fits your needs. And the backlash that has happened since then is that not many people stick around for a long time. But those who do, I'm just going to tell you, you're like a beautiful palm tree. There's a dignity about you. There's a beauty about you. There's something luxurious about you that God is going to make you and set you apart to do that because you've been, you're putting your roots down into a local body and you're putting your roots down to a local church. Now there's various reasons and this is not to condemn any changes. I would, I would, you know, most of you that are here, we have benefited because you changed from one church to another. There are legitimate reasons to change churches at certain times, but I'm talking about moving forward moving forward and looking into the future. God wants your roots to go down. He wants our relationships to deepen in this church. He wants our roots to deepen in this church. He wants us to get established here because there's something beautiful that happens. And when God says you're going to flourish like a palm tree, you're going to be beautiful like a palm tree. That's the word picture those who sung this song had when, when they sang about being established in the Lord. Second word I want you to write down is this, fruitful. Fruitful, the palm tree is a fruitful tree. In different climates, it's fruitful. It's fruitful because its roots go down deep. And there's something that happens in your life when you are established in one place for a long time. There's some type of fruit that just comes from that. My parents went to one church for many, many years, over two decades in one particular church where I spent my life. And I have not attended that church for 16 years. But you know that in the last month, the pastor of that church in Texas came to this building and he met with your leadership board to help our church because I had a long-term relationship with him. Even though I haven't attended that church in many, many years, the fruitfulness of my parents staying in that church, I'm still benefiting from. I remember talking to a lady once who 
talked about her faith journey and her family's faith journey. And, and she went to a lot of, her family went to a lot of good churches in the area where they lived. But she said, Aaron, now that my children are adults, I regret that we didn't stay in one church for a longer period of time. Because if we would have done that, my children would have had long-term relationships with people who had seen them develop and seen them grow and had seen them through different phases of life. And that's a, that's a beautiful thing. There's so much fruit in longevity. There's fruit. The palm tree is fruitful even through different climates. It's fruitful because here's the third thing I want you to write down. It's adaptability. If you go and the last time I was there or looked for this uh, at the streets of Indian Lake in the courtyard, someone decided to plant a palm tree. Uh, if I remember correctly, I read some article about it. It had something to do with a school project. And, and there, there is a palm tree in Middle Tennessee in the middle of the square that defines our city. You know, normally those look better like Florida or California, but it's there. And it's an illustration to us that palm trees can adapt to lots of different climates. Here in Middle Tennessee, we have four definite seasons. The palm tree still grows. And there's something about being in the house of the Lord, putting your roots down, roots down deep. You're like a palm tree that you can adapt to changes in church culture. You can adapt to changes in church leadership. You can adapt to trying times in a church. You can't adapt from going to one service to two services. You can't adapt from going from one worship space to another worship space. Why? Because you're rooted in the Lord and your roots are down deep in a place. Adaptability is so, so important. So now let's talk about the cedar. We've talked about the palm tree. I mean, I I doubt before this sermon, any of you said, I want to be a palm tree for the Lord, but, um, now we can. Please, none of you worship leaders, don't write a song like that. That just sounds like a nightmare already. A palm tree for the Lord. I have a melody in my head, but that could go really bad, couldn't it? Thank you. Thank you for holding me accountable. So let's talk about being a cedar. A cedar. In that region, the Middle East region uh, where the Jewish people were, the strongest of materials were the cedars from Lebanon. The cedars from Lebanon. In fact, if you get the concordance in your Bible, you'll find a lot of places where it references the cedar of Lebanon, whether it's building the temple or whether it's talking metaphorically about being strong. The cedars, the cedar tree brings strength. I want you to write down that description. There's strength. The cedar tree stood. It could withstand the fiercest of winds. The cedar tree can become the foundation for great construction projects. The cedar tree is strong. It's dependable. The cedar tree brings strength. Those who are established in the Lord will be like palm trees. They'll be like the cedars of Lebanon. They will be strong. And can I tell you that you bring a strength to the body. You bring a strength to the body. Your relationship with the Lord brings a strength to the body. Your history brings a strength to the body. Your prayer life brings a strength to the body. The greatness of a church is in the greatness of its people. Your contribution, your unique personality expressed brings strength. You're established in the house of God. You're like a cedar of Lebanon and you bring great strength. I've told the story before, but it's so good. I'm going to tell it again. 
when I first became pastor here and I was hired at this particular church, uh, we were at an elementary activity the first month or two that I was there and Chris Taylor and, and Kenny Powell were with me there. And these guys had been on the board through some different pastors and different difficult situations and had been part of leading this church through some adversity. And uh, as we were having one of our initial conversations, they were talking about coming through all those type of, of, of challenges. And I remember Kenny just telling me, he said, listen, big boy, after you're long gone, we're still going to be here. Now, as a young pastor, that could have been intimidating. Like, oh my goodness, these guys, they think they don't have a long-term plan for me or what's going on. But I looked at it a a completely different way. Big boy, we're going to be here when you're long gone. I like that because there were some men, young men of God that said, hey, this is our church. These are our people. This is where our roots is. This is where we're established. We're like the cedars of Lebanon. We haven't been shaken by adversity yet. We're not going to be shaken again. We are rooted and planted in the house of God. We're fruitful. We're adaptable. We are uh, beautiful in the eyes of the Lord. We're strong. And here's the last word I want you to put down right now in the last description. And we're permanent. God has established us. We are not going anywhere because God has established us. And, and, and as we, we talk about the broader definition of this passage, I want you to think about that in your relationship with the Lord. You know, you cannot have a vibrant relationship with God if you're looking other places. So we look to the Bible. We look to Jesus. We don't have to look to new age philosophies. We don't have to look to other religions. We don't have to flirt with other uh, new ideas. There is an ancient truth established by our church forefathers, established through the history of the church, canonized through the scripture. We go to the word, we go to the scripture. We don't look anywhere else. And that makes us fruitful. We know that there's some truth that's been established from eternity in the nature of God. It's been established through the revelation of Jesus. It's been established through church history. It's been established through the word. And we're focused on that. We are focused on that. We aren't going anywhere. This is what we stand on. This is our faith. This is the word of God. We don't receive a revelation from any other man. This is the word of God. There's great fruit from that, isn't there? There's great fruit from just deciding ahead of time. This is what we believe. And this is who we are. So I I also believe that there's great strength in that as you establish a relationship with a local church and say, this is my church. This is my family. These are my folk. These are my people. You know, Beth and I, we, 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 we would love to stay here lots and lots of years. That's our hope. That's our desire. It's not our promise because we can't promise tomorrow, but that's what we want. But I'd like to think that when that day comes, hopefully years from now, that this church would be strong because you're strong. This church would be established because you're established. This church would be beautiful because there's beautiful people here. This this church would be adaptable because we're in the presence of God. This church would would be, be strong and permanent and it would last And that's the type of church I know God is helping us build. You know, one of the things that that happens to me on a regular basis is almost on a weekly basis, and I thank God for this, someone comes up and compliments me about the church. Most Sundays we have visitors, or maybe it's their second or third time or whatever, but people come up and they'll be like, 
man, Aaron, we love the church. Man, you are a great preacher. I love hearing that. That's great. The worship was awesome. The service was great. And it's good to hear that. We'll take the encouragement. But it's kind of like puppy love a little bit. You know, people come in, real mo- they, they have an emotional experience and they're comparing this to their last church or they're exp- comparing this to something else. They're like, oh, this is great. This is, this is awesome. And often, not all the time, the same people that have those initial emotional reactions, they'll just drift off. They'll leave as quickly as they came. Because it's not m- unlike romance or being in love. All right, when you start out in love, Everything's better. The food eats better when you go out to eat. The time is better. You know, endorphins are released and you're in love and you have those feelings of love. But what true love is, is not the emotions you experience at the beginning of romance. But true love is when the weakness in your spouse is exposed. I don't see any weaknesses in her, of course, but when she sees the weaknesses in me, and let's be realistic, what marriage is, is you, you begin to see the weaknesses, personality, challenge, whatever it is, the weakness in your spouse, because your spouse knows you better than anybody else. And you see those, and you love the person anyway, because you've decided ahead of time, I'm in love. And it's not just those initial emotions. It's not just those initial feelings. It's a commitment. It's a commitment because I'm established. I want to challenge you this morning to love your church. This isn't just for the benefit of institutional advancement at the church at Lake, because no doubt some of you may be visiting from another church today. Maybe you're visiting from out of town or maybe for whatever reason, you didn't attend your church today and you're here. And unless God clearly speaks to you, I want you to love the church you attend. And if you attend here, and if you're called here, I want you to love this church. Does mean you have to stay here forever? No, it doesn't. Because there's times to move on. I get that. But it means that should be thought out and difficult and hard and prayerful. And it should be something that's really important. Why? Because God wants to establish you like a palm tree, like a cedar of Lebanon. When you, when you put verse 12 back up again, the godly will fur, flourish like palm trees and grow strong like cedars of Lebanon for they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts of our God. I'll say this is that every week I hear from somebody, oh, I love this church and it helps me to hear that. But what I also realize is that every week, people who've been here a long time fall out of love with this church for whatever reason. Say, I've heard Aaron preach long enough now. I'm ready for something different. I've heard that sermon twice. I've heard that illustration twice. Or I don't know. I like this worship leader better than that worship leader. Or whatever the case is, I I don't want to, I don't want to give specific things as if I'm targeting someone because I'm not. I love my church because God's called me here. I love my church because this is a place that I am rooted and planted. This is the place I'm going to grow. Can we pray together? 
I want you to take a couple minutes to just take note on this first Sunday of the year. Whether you're establishing this church, establishing another church, whether you're maybe you're looking for a church right now. Would you ask the Lord to give you that kind of love for his house that he would establish? It's time for roots to go down deep. Sometimes when roots go down deep, they get entangled with other people. And that's what makes it such a hurtful thing. But in that place, God's going to make you more beautiful than you've ever been. He's going to make you adaptable. He's going to make you fruitful. The Lord's going to make you strong. The Lord's going to make you permanent in your relationship with him and in your relationship with whatever church he's called you to. Let's reflect on that just a moment here. Thank you for listening to the podcast of The Church in Indian Lake. 